What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of Sheehan's World. I'm your host, per usual, Sheehan. I'm happy to have on an old friend of mine, an old, uh, I guess you could say, co-blogger back in the day. Um, I'm very excited to have him on. I'm very excited that he's still doing his thing and he's still killing it. He's the co-host of the Patriot Nation podcast. He is a writer for Pat's Pulpit, and he also contributes to SB Nation. I'm happy to have on Pat Lane. How are you doing, Pat? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward uh, to doing it. You know, It'll be fun. I, I'm excited you're looking forward to it. I'm excited to have you on. Um, I told you this before. I always start off my show asking people where they're from and how they got into how what they're into right now. So just tell me, Pat, where are you from? And how did you get involved with Pat's pulpit and all that? So it's uh, it's kind of funny story. I'm from Massachusetts, but it's it's funny story. Uh, my alma mater is uh, your current school, Assumption College. Yes, uh, shout out. You know, Assumption Greyhound. University now, Pat. Yeah, uh, it's very true. Good point. Good point. Uh, <laughs> well, well represented in the NFL, Deontay Harris, man. If he had stayed healthy in that game last weekend, you never know. Saints might have won that game, man. He I'm almost a huge... back himself, man. I'm a huge Deontay fan, Pat, and I've been telling people for years before he got to the NFL, watch out for this kid. And guess what? Watch out. And he's there. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish he he's didn't get hurt. He, he's a beast. He's that kid's all heart, all hustle. I, I love him. He's yeah. one of my favorite players in the league. Nasty. He's nasty. So, uh, no, that, that's cool. You know what I mean? So I, I came from there and then I, um, yeah, we were talking about this before and, you know, I've always loved sports. I've always loved you know, I've been a season ticket holder for the Patriots for for as long as I can remember. Since well, I've had my own ticket since 2000, but my dad's had them on and off since the 60s. So, like, you know, grew up a Patriots fan, grew up going to Patriots games. Always talk football. It's, it's like always on my mind. Football, sports, and I'm into all of them, but like football is number one. And I'll talk. I can talk hockey or basketball or baseball or whatever. Football is number one, though. It's always been there, and and I just, um, you know, going to school, I was like, oh yeah, like, but it's not realistic. I mean, I don't can't write about it. You don't want to, no one cares what I have to say or what I, you know, or writing or talking about it. No one cares what I have to say. So it's like, whatever, I'll just call into, I'd call into shows every now and again and chat that way and do whatever. But it was never a realistic dream for me. It was never like a possibility for me, you know? And then podcast started happening. This is probably about, I guess maybe about four years ago now, podcast started kind of taking off and, uh, my brother-in-law, who's also a huge uh, football guy, just insanely knowledgeable. I mean, ridiculous. I mean, to the point where, like, his first date with my sister, she said, like, name something, like, tell me something, like, weird about yourself, like, just crazy about yourself that, like, you know, is unique. And he's like, well, I can name every uh, NHL finalist participant since 1962. She was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he just, like, listed them off. Like, she's like, do it. And he's like, all right. And he just did it. And it's like, so he he's just insanely knowledgeable, knows a ton of stuff. So we were literally going to my buddy's house to play wiffle ball, and we we're just talking sports. And I'm like, bro, we should start our own podcast. Like, what the hell, you know? And so uh, so he was like, all right. And so I I literally went home that night and ordered two two microphones on Amazon, and it was like, all right, let's go. And we just started the podcast. We were like, what? We didn't know what the hell we were doing. I mean, we were. I was telling someone this the other day. Like, we. I mean, you know we were calling people FaceTiming people with on my iPad, holding the iPad up over the microphone because it was so ghetto that we were just like, we had them on, on FaceTime literally holding the iPad up over the microphone so that it would go into the microphone. Like that's, and we were just having fun with it. We were just enjoying it and having fun and doing, you know, and just, and just enjoying ourselves, you know? 
And, um, and we had a ton of fun. And then we got picked up by WTP, uh, which you, you know, that's where we met. Yes. And, uh, and they had a website as well. And they were like, Hey, listen, if you want to start writing too, like whatever, dude, start writing. And I was like, all right. And so we did. And I loved it. I loved the, the blogging aspect of it and the writing part of it. And, uh, you know, we, some views here and there. We did okay. We did pretty well for a while. And um, then SB Nation kind of came calling and was like, hey, uh, you know, we like what you do. We won't, we'd like you to start a podcast through us uh, and write for us. And I was like, all right, cool. So uh, so I moved over from WTP to Pat's Pulpit. And, um, and I've been there, geez, I don't know, two and a half years now, I guess. It's been a while. <laughs> I've been there a while. So yeah. me and Bags, who, who was also at WTP, um, started a podcast over there and we've been doing that for, for a while. And I, of course, right there as well. So, uh, we have fun with it. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. So how's it like doing that podcast with Spags? It's great, man. It's really good. And you know, the thing is, and, and this is one thing that I've always subscribed to, you know, even before, like it never hurts to send a DM. Like right, right. I, I DM people all the time and I'm like, Hey, you want to come on the show? And sometimes they respond to me and sometimes they don't. And it's like, whatever, dude. But that's how we've gotten some some fairly big guests on the show because it's like you send a DM and it's like maybe they were like, yeah, sure. What the hell? You know what I mean? So it's just you never know. And some people, you know, we've had, you know, I've had a bunch of Barstool guys on my my old show that I did. I mean, you know, before the before the Philly Soup Bowl, I had Smitty on who has like, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. I mean, Clem was on my show, like all these guys that were that are big name guys that are like, yeah, sure. I'll make some time for you. Bedard's been on our show. Like we've had some pretty big name guys and it's just literally just reaching out and just saying, Hey, we have a podcast. Would you like to come on and talk? And you know, the worst someone can say is no. Right. I mean, that's right. really it. So to me, as long as you're, and, and the big thing too, and this is the other thing for me is that, you know, things happen from time to time and like things happen tonight, right. Where like I got a little delayed, you got a little delayed, but like, but it's fine. Like some people, and, and I've had interactions with people and they're like, oh, thank you for being understanding. And I'm like, what do you mean for being like, yeah, you're coming on my show. Like you're my guest. Like, of course I'm understanding. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think, you know, treating people with respect and, and understanding that other people have stuff going on is important as well. Yes. Very. And I think that, you know, that's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they're on your show, but it's like, you don't, you don't run the world here. You know what I mean? There's other stuff going on. And I think recognizing that is important and treating everyone with, with you know, genuinely and with respect, I think is really important. And people, people notice that when you do that, you know what I mean? And so when you have positive interactions with people, it, it encourages them to number one, you know, come back on your show, but also number two, like to, you know, to, to think well of you. Right. And the more people that think well of you, the better it is, you know, like they always say about like, you know, one one bad interaction they tell six people right and it's like exactly. one good interaction and you know or like 10 good interactions and you get one referral right but one bad interaction you get 10 bad referrals you know what i mean so yes yes it's one of those things and that's that's the thing i mean it's it's all about kind of being nice and being respectful you know what i mean and i think that that's such a big part of it um but also just to just kind of be a little relentless and just be like hey we want to come on and people sometimes people are like no i'm good and sometimes they just don't respond for a while and you just send a DM every now and again. And then who knows, you know, I definitely agree. Sending out a DM is definitely, you know, it's a shot. You know what, what's the point of not sending it? I have probably sent a million DMs to Deontay Harris has yet to hear back. <laughs> I've yet to hear back from him, but you know, I'm Never still know. hoping I'm, I'm still going to shoot, you know, I'm, I'm, right. I'm gonna keep shooting. But Pat, I noticed you said that you do this and, you know, you thought that who's going to care about your shows and everything like that. You think that, but how is it that you are able to keep going and keep doing this? No, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think, I think what happened for me is that the, the transition for me was that it doesn't matter whether people want to hear it or not. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, I, I uh, someone tweeted something out today that was like, or maybe it was yesterday, like, you know, People, people are starting fantasy football podcasts and the guy's like, why? Like the market's already saturated. Like, what are you doing? You know? And I, you know, I quote tweeted it. And I'm like, dude, like don't ever let someone tell you that you can't do something. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. Like maybe you're not going to get famous, right? But that doesn't really matter. Like who cares if you're going to make it or not? You know, like you're enjoying yourself. You're having fun. 
And honestly, like I'd be having these conversations anyways. And I live in a house with a, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a wife who doesn't really care. I mean, she watches football, but she doesn't really care. I don't have anyone to talk to about, it. <laughs> you know? So it's like, I might as well talk. I'm going to talk to someone and I'm just talking out into the void. And if someone wants to have a conversation with me, great, you know? And if not, yeah. whatever, I'm, you know, I'm having the conversation. And so what happened for me really was that it sh- my, my mindset shifted from this is what people want to hear to this is what I want to talk about. And if, if people want to listen, great. And if they don't, well then too friggin' bad. They don't have to listen, you know? And yeah, I think that yeah. that's, that's the that's the the shift that went on in my head, um, and I think that that's important because, you know, again, it doesn't really matter, right? It's like you do your thing, and if people like it, great, and if they don't, then they don't. Now, of course, like you you have to have. I think the other part of it too is that when you're looking at content, I think to be creative and to do interesting things, I think is cool. You know, and so like last year we did a we did a March Madness bracket of like the best uh, the best Patriots games ever, you know, and uh, the year before or maybe it was two years ago, we did the best Patriots games ever. And then last year we did like the best players of uh, of this um, of the dynasty, not named Tom Brady, obviously the best players of the dynasty, not named Tom Brady. And so it's just like, it's fun stuff like that that you do. And we've done like different drafts and different, you know, build your team and do that. And do and so it's like, we have fun with it and we try to do different things. And I think that that's important, but you know, it's like, I think that I think really, honestly, it's just about having fun and enjoying yourself and not really worrying about what other people think about you and about what you're doing. Uh, and obviously take criticism from people. You know, like constructive criticism, right? Not someone that says you suck, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But take yeah, forget those people. Yeah, and that, there's always going to be people like that. I mean, Jesus, like, you know, you get guys, Felger and Maz are, are the number one show in Boston, and three quarters of the people that listen to them hate them and say they suck. And They're yet awesome, they keep though. doing their thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, they, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. Someone's going to say you suck. You know what yes. I mean? Like, there's people out there that say Tom Brady sucks. So, like, you know, <laughs> you can do. like, it just, it is what it is, you know? And so, and so you do your thing, but you listen to constructive criticism. You take what they have to say. And then I think also you build upon what, you do, what you've done. And you try to like, it's not really watching film, but like for me, sometimes I will go back and listen to an episode and I'll notice something. Um, like for, for instance, I noticed on a show that I said like, like a hundred times. The same <laughs> thing. Like, wow, dude. <laughs> And and I still do it occasionally, but my goodness, it was it was bad. Like it was really bad. And and I noticed that I do it from time to time, but it was it was almost every other word where I was like, oh my and and so I in my head, I'm like, all right, I need to change that, right? And and I addressed it on the next show. I'm like, ah, I said like about seven hundred times last episode. I'm gonna try to do it a little bit less this episode, you know. But but it's all about kind of you know making yourself better. I think it is a big part of it for me because I want to do the best that I can, obviously, but then also, you know, I'm here to have fun. I'm not, I'm not like all riled up about it, but at the same time, like, yeah, I'd like it. I'd like to do like a good job and I'd like to sound professional. And so you try to, you know, you try to change things and edit yourself kind of, uh, you know, a little bit here and there, but it's mostly, it's mostly fun. And again, you're listening to other people, constructive criticism. Don't listen to anyone that's not giving you constructive criticism. But if someone says, hey, this would be really cool if you did this. Hey, you know, that's that might be a good idea. You should do that. You know, you should try that. So um, I think that, you know, branching out a little bit sometimes is important and doing different things um, can be interesting. I agree. I think that listening to constructive criticism criticism is the best thing you can do. Taking recommendations, um, just listening to what people have to say about your show. It's good. But if there are people out there who are just outright saying you suck, then there's no point to listen to them. The point is in this world, there's always going to be at least one person, no doubt in my mind, at least one that is not going to agree with anything with what you said. So what is the point in worrying about it? Say what you want to say and move on with your day, right? Right. So try to make try to make everyone happy. You're going to make nobody happy. You yes. Know? Yeah. Try your best to make everyone happy. That's the goal. So, Pat, I am not a father, so it is very easy for me to do all this, you know, not have to uh, consider when to feed someone else, 
uh, consider when someone else wants to have fun. So what is it like having, you said three kids, correct? Three kids and a puppy. Yes. So what is it like having three kids, a puppy, and having to do all this, you know, just trying to stay on your grind, uh, keep it up with Pat's pulpit, uh, keep that podcast you have going with Spags, keep it up with SB Nation. How are you able to, you know, just kind of balance that life out? It's a good question. And it's a lot. I mean, it can be a lot of times. This week has been a lot. I did I did a podcast appearance on Monday night. I did our, our podcast on Tuesday night. And now it's Thursday night. I'm doing the podcast with you. So it's been a long week. It's been a long week. And uh, and I recognize that. I recognize that. And so, and my wife and I talk about it all the time. It's like, hey, you know, and she's told me before. And we have a deal where it's like, if I if I'm getting too far into it, Right. If I'm spending too much time on the show, on the writing, everything else, then she's like, all right, you need to you need to scale it back a little bit. You got to you got to pull yourself back uh, a little bit. And, I, and I'm and I'm good about doing that. You know, I really try to to do that. But she is incredibly supportive. She doesn't listen to the show, has never listened to an episode of any really? show I've ever done. But, <laughs> but it's OK. But but she's supportive of me. Regardless of whether she listens to the show or not, you know, she, she supports what I do. And, and that's, and that's important. You know, you can't, you know, it wouldn't be possible for me to do this without the support, without her support. Yeah. And I think that that's something too, where you have to have that conversation to be like, Hey, I want to do this. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I, I, in order to do it, I have to do these certain things and she gets that. And so, uh, that's really that's obviously a huge step for me and a and a huge thing to consider. If you're in that situation, you need to make sure that you know you're not just doing it on the side. And again, I'm doing it on the side a lot of times. I'm doing it after bedtime. Sometimes now the kids are a little bit older. I'm able to do it during the during the day occasionally. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can do it during the day. Typically, it's after the kids are in bed though. And most guests are fine with that because a lot of those people are doing it after hours as well. So they're doing it, you know after they've worked, you know, so it's not, it's not the biggest deal to them. Uh, some people can do it later in the night than than others and that's okay. And I, and then I try to work around whatever the guests can do. So if the guests can do nine or nine thirty, great. If guests can do, you know, hey, the latest I can do is seven thirty. I can typically usually make that work too. We do dinner and do everything else. Then it's like, okay, I got to move some stuff around, but it's, you know, we make it work. And I think that that's, that's kind of the thing, but it's all about communication. It's all about having someone that will support you. Uh, and then just finding time. I mean, listen, when I write articles, I've, I don't write on, I don't write on my computer. I write on my phone. And the reason I do that is because number one, I write a little bit faster on my phone. I write actually in my notes app on my phone. So I had a back in the day working for WTP. I wrote, we have used WordPress and I wrote uh, this wicked long blog fantastic like one of my favorite blogs i wrote and i could i couldn't tell you what it's about but i remember like writing it and i'm like oh my god this is so good and i went to go like save it and wordpress crashed and i lost everything oh my god it was horrifying and so then i i rewrote it but it wasn't nearly as good as the first time right and so of course it's never it is (laughs) no and that's so i'm like oh you know so i rewrote it went through and and so on and so forth but from now, from then on, I've always written in my notes, uh, in my my Apple Notes, because they save automatically. So even if I were to close out accidentally or something, they're already they're automatically saved. So it makes it easy. You know, if I'm writing and my my phone dies, everything is saved right from that point. From the last from the last you know, the last letter that I wrote is is all saved. So I have that in there, and then it's kind of cool to go back and kind of you know I can read some of the old stuff I wrote and whatnot, but so I write on my phone and, and when I'm done, I just pay copy and paste it into, into the website. And, uh, it does, it makes it, it, it makes it a little bit easier that way. I'm able to kind of find time, you know, in the bathroom or if there's like five minutes of downtime and I have an idea in my head, I can start writing and then I can pick it back up, you know, when I have another five or 10 minutes later. So it's all about kind of trying to find that time, but also it's like, I don't have to pull my laptop out you know, boot it up, go to a specific website, start writing it, have to worry about, you know, like I don't have to do that. It's all saved on my phone. So uh, it does make it a little bit easier in that sense, just because I have less time on my hands. Um, But again, it's just about trying to find time. And then like for me, 
I haven't written a lot lately just because I haven't had the bug to write. Um, you know, it's the off season, so I'm going to start writing again about different things here and there, but I haven't really had the bug to write and I haven't really had anything that I've been like, oh, I, I want to write about that. So I haven't. Um, I probably will soon, but I just haven't I haven't had it. And Pat's Pulpit and WTP was the same way. Like, they're cool with that. It's like, yeah, if you want to, you know, I podcast keeps coming out, that's fine. And if you're right, you're right. And if you don't, then you don't. You know, and I have a weekly, I have a weekly column that comes out during the season. Um, so that comes out at least. And then occasionally during the season, I'll write a few other pieces, but you know, usually in the off season I'm writing stuff, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. And, and that's okay. It's no big deal. You know? Yeah, that is okay. No big deal at all. You but, just need that time to kind of find yourself again, kind of find that. Yes. Um, I guess you could say spark in yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So you talk about writing. I'm really curious to know this. What is something that you've noticed with yourself since you started this? You know, you you were telling me before we started the show that, you know, you started too late, but the talent that you're possessed with is not late. There's there's nothing that can be too late about that. So during your time with doing this, what's something that you've noticed about yourself where you've been like, damn, like I've really gotten better at that or damn, like. I am completely different from when I started. You know, do you understand yeah. the question? No, it's a good, it's a good question. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, my parents always talk about, so my grandfather died before I was born. Um, my, my dad's father and he worked PR for, um, for Edison, I believe. Um, I think it was Edison either way. And they were like, you know, you, you remind us of him because he was good with his words and, you know, was a good writer and everything else. And so I love hearing stuff like that, you know, from my parents that are, that are talking about that. And, and I just think too, like for me now, when I have an idea, I'm able to write about it and not only am I able to write about it, but it, it comes a lot easier for me, right? I'm able to, to sit down and, and sometimes I can write an article in 10 minutes and it just, it all flows. Like it just flows out of me which is a cool feeling. It's like, you know, it's like this big release where you're just like, you know, you get something in your head and you just start writing and it just comes and you're just like, whoa, like, and it just all flows out and it's just perfect. And that, you know, that type of thing is, is fascinating where, you know, I love that, like that side of it, you know, because that, I don't know. I just, that's such a cool, like, it's just such a cool thing, you know, when you start writing. Um, but again, I've noticed too, that like, I can, I feel like I see things a little bit different. I see, you know, I see kind of, uh, I don't want to say like ideas or like plot points, but like really, um, when I'm watching something now, it's like a little bit different. It's not just, it's not just like, Oh, you know, the game is going on. It's like, okay, what angle, what am I going to talk about? What is there to talk about? Like, yes. You know, and I'm always kind of formulating like, what is it, you know, what's happening and what can I talk about here and what's the takeaway and what's going on here. And so that's always kind of in the back of my head as I'm watching now. So the way I've watched games is a little bit different. The way I critique games is a little bit different. The way I look at players is a little bit different because I'm trying to be a little bit more, uh, analytic side you know like analyzing what they're doing and i think that that's that's something that not that i didn't have before i think i always had that but um but it's a little bit more pronounced now than it was yeah i can agree whenever i'm watching Celtics game whenever i'm watching pat's game anything like that i am trying to analyze it i'm not even watching it like it's right. at that point i'm just completely analyze it I, I i still get into the game like last night i was watching the celtics game i told you already i'm i'm the only one in my in my room right now so um yeah. i was basically yelling at the tv i'm i'm pretty sure all of the campus could hear me even though there's no one here but um yeah that's that, that's definitely something that's come along with it it's just during these years of doing this, I've noticed I see the game differently. I don't just watch it to watch it as a fan. I watch it to actually analyze it and see what I can take from it. Right. So, yeah, and that's and I think that's a big thing, you know, and it's all it's always like to, you know, what can they do to improve and where where are their strengths and weaknesses and where are those perceived things that you can do? Because, you know, the guys the, the scouts and the guys that are running teams, that's what they're doing, right? They're doing self-scouting. They're looking at their team. They're saying, okay, where can we get better? Where are we good? How does this guy look? You know, where's it? What's the depth look like here? What do we need in these spots? And so we're kind of doing that same thing where we're watching the game and we're saying, okay, you know, what's happening here and, and how can they improve, 
you know, how can the Patriots or the Celtics improve what they're doing? Do they need to bring in a guy? Do, does this guy need to start playing better? You know, and and I think too sometimes it's it's sometimes under the radar where it's like okay, Sony Michelle had a bad year last year, right? In 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 2019, but was the bad year because he stunk, or was the bad year because the offensive line stunk, or was it a combination of both, right? Mm -hmm. And then you see him this year, and you're like, he looks like a hold on the player, and so. Well, what was it? Was it the combination, which I think I think was probably a combination of both. But like, I think part of it was that he wasn't healthy. Number one, and then number two was like the offensive line stunk last year, so no one was going to look good behind that offensive line because the O line was terrible. And so, it's it's those things, and it's it's kind of sticking to those takes. I think which is fun. Um, you know, Spags and I were huge Stidham guys, huge Stidham guys. We were like pro Stidham. We thought Stidham was going to be the starter, and didn't happen. And so we, and so we've admitted we're like, we were wrong. Like, Hey, hands up. Like, that's it. But we went with it. We fought with it and we said, he's the guy. And we said like, this is what we think. And you know, there's a bunch of different reasons. And of course it didn't work out, but it's still on the table. He's still on the team. So you never know, you know? And so, but that, but it's, it's kind of fun, like making a take and having a take and then sticking with it. And then it like blows up in your face and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do know. Um, Stidham, Pat, you and Spags were definitely not alone. Um, I was definitely on the Stidham train. I know a lot of people were on that Stidham train. I think yeah. there was, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even know if there was really a high number of Pat fans that believed someone other than Stidham was going to start. So yeah. you guys were definitely making the correct tape at that moment in time, but it, it is it is interesting to see when you make a take and then it kind of does blow up in your face. You're kind of just like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep, pretty much. You know, and that's and we've ate it. We've ate it and said, hey, you know, it is what we were wrong. And Cam came in and I said, Cam's not the starter. Like he's not going to start. Sidham's going to start, and I think Sidham's better. And uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> and so you know, but it but it's you can't. And I think part of the thing, and part of the thing that you know that you see is that no one likes a fence sitter, right? You're not, you're not sitting on the fence. And it's one thing you don't have to make outlandish claims, right? But you have to have an opinion. You can't just say, well, we'll see how things play out. It's like, no, well, you, you need to like say whether you think this guy is good or not, you know? Yeah. And, and you can also say like, I think he's good, but I'm not overly confident what I'm going to see, you know, like, you don't have to say this guy is going to be the next superstar, but you got to have some sort of take to say, like, you know, what do you think of this guy? You know, and I think that that's something that um, that some people some I think I think some people take it way too far where they get the hot takes and they're like, oh, this guy sucks and he's never going to be good. And then you get the other side of it where it's like, this guy is unbelievable. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, he's fine. But, you know, that's <laughs> it's one of it's it's one of those things, too, where it's like you got to be careful not to have the hot takes, although. I mean, if you listen to Felger Maz, that's all they do is hot takes. So maybe, yeah. not a, maybe it's not a bad thing, but I've always kind of, I can't do it. I can't do the hot takes. It's too much for me because I just can't, I am just not, it's just not me. Like I I'm pretty even keeled. And of course I get upset at times and, and I get overly excited about things at times, but like the, the hot take stuff is not for me. I can't do it. And I think that you also have to know who you are. And I think finding who you are and finding your voice is important too. Like, yeah. I'm not like this guy and I'm, I'm very pro Patriots, right? I am pro the team. I am not going to say they suck. I'm not going to do those things, but at the same time, I'm going to try to be honest and I'm going to try to say what I think. And if I think that they stink and they had a bad game, I'm going to say that. And if I say, if I think, if I see a guy who, who's playing bad, I'm going to say that because that's what I see, you know, and I'm not going to say he sucks and I hate him. I'm just going to say like, Hey, you know, he needs to do better and maybe he can't do better, right? Maybe he's not good. And Juwan Bentley is a good example of that. I love Juwan Bentley. I love the guy. Love the love the player. Yeah. Or love the person. Plays hard. Un yeah. Unbelievable story. Was homeless when he was a kid. You know, uh, went through a, a tough time. Was a three-year captain at Purdue. Um, you know, was just unbelievable. Was involved in the whole Tyler Trent story and everything. It was, it was an amazing story. You know, incredible leader off the field. On the field? Nah. He's fine. Like I want him to be good. He's just not that good. Right. And so, and so you have to admit that. And, you, and, and I was excited for him to get an opportunity this year and then he got it and he sucked. And so it's like, yeah, he might be a decent, like third linebacker. He could be like a decent guy, like an Atlanta Roberts type player. 
yeah. because he can, you know, he he hits in the hole and he fills the hole decently well, but he's not a great tackler. He thinks too much when he's on the field because, and I think too, like the Patriots, not to get too far into the weeds, but the Patriots defense is, is tough. Like Kyle Van Noy, I remember Hightower got hurt. Van Noy slid, slid into Hightower spot and Van Noy looked awful. He looked terrible. And everyone was like, this guy Van Noy sucks. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. Like Van Noy's okay. He's just playing in Hightower spot. And Hightower spot is not for Van Noy. Like Van Noy needs to play his spot. And Hightower needs to play his spot. And then they're going to be okay. And then Hightower came back. And Van Noy looked great. And Hightower looked great. And then we we're like, oh, okay, cool. But he's playing out of position. And I think Bentley's the same way where like he's that, that role isn't for him. You put him in that role, he's trying to do too much. He's trying to run the field. He's trying to, you know, call the defense, trying to do everything. And he just, that's just not him. He can't do that, you know? And so to ask him to do that is not that it's unfair because they hadn't, they had no choice, but like, you know, it was, it, it's not a true representation of the player that he can be. And I think that that's something that's interesting where you look at it and say, you know, he can be this guy moving forward in the right role, he can be, you know, a, a third you know, a first down contributor or something like that. You know what I mean? But he's not going to be mm -hmm. a superstar, but he can be an okay guy. And if he's a leader in the locker room, then that's worth, that's, that's valuable, you know? So, but it's, it's all about, it's all about understanding that, that type of stuff where it's like, yeah, this guy doesn't belong there. And, and, uh, what's his name is, is a perfect example. The, the, um, Marshall Newhouse was the tackle from, from last year. Yeah. Everyone hated Marshall Newhouse. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they asked Scarnecki about it. And Scar was like, listen, man, he's just doing the best he can. Like he's out here, like he's our he was a fourth tackle and he gets thrust into a starting role. He's not that's not the player he is. You know, yeah. he's trying his best. He's trying as hard as he can. He's giving us everything he's got, you know. And I think that that's people forget that stuff where it's like, yeah, like, okay, sure. Marshall Newhouse as the starting left tackle is terrible. Marshall Newhouse has like a swing tackle who's a guy that can come in like and play right tackle for a game or like, you know, for a series if a guy goes down or something. Not, not awful. Not great, but not awful. You know, like, and that's what people forget sometimes is like, it's not everyone's a starter, right? And I think mm -hmm. that people sometimes forget that where you're like, they, I want this guy to be a star. It's like, well, not everyone's a star. <laughs> it's just the way it is, you know? And so that's, that's some of those things where you have to realize those things. And I think that, uh, being even keeled and being able to see stuff like that is important. You know, it's the same thing when looking at rookies and not even just in football, Pat in basketball, right. I see it a lot, you know, in the NBA, you expect, uh, well, not usually, but many people usually expect an NBA rookie to be an immediate impact. Like for example, Aaron Neesmith this year, everyone was on the Neesmith train. Not one person could tell me that they were off that train. And it turns out he's just, he's not ready. And, you know, it comes to that point where you analyze it and then you say, oh, I was just wrong. It was just, it was just completely wrong. So right. um, there's a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of things people forget, um, especially with the rookie department. I've noticed that, you know, when I started like writing and blogging and podcasting, that's one thing I've really noticed. People really get on rookies hard. And oh, yeah it's where like, you got to give them time. They're a rookie for a reason. Like they're coming into the league. Like say you were a rookie in your job. You think you're going to know how to do everything immediately. Right. Maybe, maybe the rare few, which happens like, you know, like John Morant right. and Zion Williamson, stuff like that. But for the most part, rookies aren't going to be an immediate impact. And that's how it goes. It's going to happen. It's going to happen with Peyton Pritchard, right? Peyton Pritchard came in. People were like, Oh my God, this guy's so good. He's going to be great at the bed, blah, 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 whole thing. He's going to put together like five or six bad games in a row because he's a rookie and that's what rookies do. Yep. And people are going to say, this guy sucks. What are they doing? Get him off the court. The whole thing. And it's like, well, wait a second. He's a rookie. Like give him some time, you know, but people get these inflated opinions and they're like, this guy has to be a star right away. And it's like, it does, just doesn't work that way. And Naismith's a good example too, because you're right. Like he's not even playing. He's not ready. You know, and, yeah. and maybe he will be at some point and they think he has the ability to be a good shooter. He's just not there yet because he's a rookie and he hasn't figured that out yet. And so maybe he will. And maybe he might even by the end of the year, who knows? But he's just not ready yet. And I think that, you know, people have to accept that and, and be like, OK, you know, let's let's just see. That doesn't mean he sucks. He's still a rookie. Like we give him some time. But people. People don't want to give people time. They want yeah. They want they want results now, you know, and that's. And that's, that's what we've turned into, you know, is that 
this guy stinks and he can't play. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's your opinion. Fine. You're right, I guess, you know. Hey, there's people in certain positions for a reason, like Danny Ainge. Yep. He's in that position for a reason. You want to know why all those Twitter GMs aren't in that position? Because they're not making the decisions Danny Ainge is. So that's how it goes. But I mean, Pat, 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 you're getting into this stuff at the perfect time. I told you I wanted to hear some of your thoughts on the Pats. Um, yes. Give me a quick breakdown on how you felt about this season. In my Before the season started, I personally had the Pats going between 7 and 10 wins. They got 7 wins. So they got yeah. the lower end of what I wanted. How do you feel was, how they played? I was hoping they'd be able to go nine and seven, ten and six. I knew it was a tough schedule. Um, I was hoping they'd be able to do a little bit better than they did. Uh, they won a lot of the games I thought they'd win, but what it came down to is is them losing the games that they should have won. You know, the Denver game. You 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 can't lose the Denver game. You lose the Denver game. You know, and so it's some of those games where you you lost. And think about this for a second. Now, Green Bay hasn't. Green Bay's. Uh, I'm sorry. Tampa Bay's playing Green Bay this weekend. Okay. Just for just for a stat for you, just for a stat for you people out there, just so you know, Green Tampa Bay's in the NFC Championship game. It's great, good for them, awesome, happy for them. If Tampa loses this weekend, their record against teams f- over five hundred this year will finish at two and five. Really? Oh wow! The Patriots' record, that. the Patriots' record against teams over five hundred this year was two and six. So. You're talking about during the regular season, they played eight teams that finished with a record of over 500. So not 500 or above, over 500, nine and seven or better. So, you know, you're talking about obviously the Bills twice, the Dolphins twice, you know, so you get four in your division right there, but then you have four other games, you know, Seahawks and so on and so forth. So it's like, you know, that's, they had a tough schedule. They had a really tough schedule this year. They came really close to winning four other games and they won. They could have finished 11 and five. They really could have, legitimately could have finished eleven to five, and so yeah, that's where Seahawks game was. Those two right there. There's two. Yeah, I mean, you got the Seahawks game, you got the the Denver game, you got the Buffalo game, uh, and then you had, um, and I guess you call you count the Kansas City game. I don't think they probably would have won the Kansas City game. There's another game too where they were driving. They they competed in that game for sure. They held they their own. Did. They definitely did. But but either way, they you know you're talking and about that was the game without Cam also. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Cam was a whole nother story. I mean, he he looked bad. He looked bad, and I don't want him back next year. Um, but he did what he could. He did what he could, and I know they don't have a lot of weapons. I get that, but uh, the lack of their passing game was bad. It was it was rough. It was really bad. Um, and I thought that you know they got away from the the system they t- they typically run. Not a lot of quick passes. Not a lot of passes to the backs out of the back. So they finally did it to James White week seventeen, and it worked. But it was like a little too late. It's week 17. You know, like James White should have led the team in receptions this year. And instead, you know, he really didn't really wasn't a factor at all until week 17. So uh, some frustrating decision making on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, you got the opt outs, you know, and then you get injuries and so on and so forth, which happens every year. But the good news about the opt outs and things is that you have young guys. You have Duggar, who played a heck of a lot more than he ever would have played, and he looked great. You have Mike Onwenu, who played a heck of a lot more than he ever would have played. Great. He looked, looked great. He looked great. And you have Josh Uche, who got who played. Now, he was hurt for a while, but he looks like he has some, really has a good ability to be able to get after the quarterback, um, mm-hmm. which, I think it, which I think is good. And so, you know, there is definitely some talent coming up. They need... They need at least one linebacker, if not two, depending on what happens to Hightower. You're going to need at least one, you know, athletic, good, solid linebacker. You need a D lineman for sure. Uh, they need to lock up Adam Butler. We'll see, but they need to lock up Adam Butler. Adam Butler, to me, is a uh, uh, is an Akeem Hicks type player. Now, Akeem maybe not quite as good as Akeem Hicks was, but Hicks was here for a year. He took a a pretty small deal with uh, I think it was like two years, ten million. With the Bears, nothing crazy. Patriots didn't didn't match it. Um, they wouldn't give him more, and they should have, because he was a dominant player for the Bears for quite a while. Uh, so I'm hoping that they give him a deal. Lawrence Guy is up too. We'll see what happens with him. If he's willing to come back on a on a cheaper deal, I think it makes sense. He's a good player. He's a very good player, but you also can't overextend for him. So we'll see what happens there. I think Butler's the young guy. Butler can get pressure up the middle. He's an important piece of this defense. So, you know. That's the biggest thing moving forward is is there's so many free agents. 
You got to okay. figure out what you're doing with Joe Tooney. You got to figure out what you're doing with David Andrews. You got to figure out. So there's a lot of guys that are up. James White is is a, is a free agent. So it's it's what's going to happen with those guys. They have a ton of cap space, but a lot of that cap space is going to have to go to you know the players that they have on the roster right now. Stephon Gilmore is a big question mark. Stephon Gilmore, huge. That's saying he's getting seven million dollars next year. He ain't playing for seven million dollars. So either you got to trade him or you're going to have to extend him. And what is he willing to accept? I think if Gilmore wants a two-year deal, with really, which is a three-year deal, right? A two-year extension, add, yep. mon- add money under this year, two more years, I do it 100%. If he wants a four- or five-year deal, now I'd be a little more hesitant. So maybe yeah. you look to trade him. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe they'll trade him. I don't know. J.C. Jackson's a restricted free agent. So, you know, so it's all those questions are up in the air where it's like, what are they going to do? Who are they going to, you know, who are they going to sign? Obviously, we want them to bring in a wide receiver. We want them to bring in a quarterback. We want them to bring in a, a playmaking linebacker. We want them to bring in all those guys. And it seems like they have a lot of money to do that, but they also have a ton of guys that they have to sign of their own. So, you know, that $65 million or whatever it is that they have under the cap is going to go really quick mm-hmm. when you start bringing those guys back. So I think everyone's like, oh, you know, they're going to pay. First of all, Allen Robinson, you can take Allen Robinson right now and just cross his name off the list because he's going to get a massive contract and it's not going to be here. Bill is not paying a wide receiver top top end money. He's just not doing it. Yeah, That's he won't. I'm Never. <laughs> I'm pissed at the stupid Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis was an under-the-radar guy going into the season. I was like, that's the guy. Corey Davis is the guy. They declined his fifth-year option. He's the guy, right? Had a ton of talent, beat Gilmore a few times, uh, you know, in, in a few different games. And I'm like, this is the guy. He has never really played well, you know, has struggled to be consistent in Tennessee, and, you know, is under the radar. They're going to sign him to a one-year deal for, like, no money, He's going to come in and play well, and yes, we get the next guy. And then they free they he freaking catches like eighty passes for a thousand yards this year. And I'm like, well, I guess that's the end of that. He's going to get a big contract and some whatever you know. But <laughs> those are the types of guys they're going to see, like those under the radar type guys um, that will come here. Juju is an interesting game. Juju Juju is interesting, definitely. I that's- you know what I I would would you take the risk on Juju? I, because it 100%. to me well, to me it's like I'm like 80 20. I'm not a hundred percent in on it, but like at the same time, I wouldn't mind it because like I know his ability. I know if he's put in the right position with the right coach, he's going to do well. Like if you feed him the ball, he will do well. But this year, honestly, he did not. He didn't do that well. He really wasn't what Juju was the first few years. Right. So and I and I agree with that. However, did you do you know what his stats were this year? Um, I really I have not really checked his stats. I know I do know was his yards after catch. It was very bad. Correct. He would basically his yak. Just, his yak was low, and his yards per catch were low. Yeah, that's right. But so he, he was had, basically just check, uh, catching checkdowns and slants and getting tackled immediately. He had ninety-seven catches. And nine touchdowns this year. And so, like, that's... So, yes, the yards per reception were way down. He averaged eight and a half yards per reception, which is way down from where he was. He's He was a slot guy, really, for them. Really kind of their third or fourth option. He's a big slot. And then, of course, right, there's the whole thing with him dancing and everything. And people are like, oh, this guy, and he's, you know, blah, 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 and he's all this, right? He's six one, right? He's what, twenty four? Like, he's big. He's, he's big too. Remember the remember the block on Vontez Perfect? Yes, he's, he's big. And he's so strong. that's the thing: six one two fifteen, and he's twenty four years old. Now the question is: number one, are the Steelers going to keep him? Number two, what type of contracts going is he going to get open in the open market? Right? Are people going to look at him as? you know, a legit one or two. I don't think he's a one. I think you could, I think it's kind of proven that he's not necessarily a full on number one, but he is a really good number two. And if you can get him on a fairly cheap deal, he's the exact type of guy the Patriots target because he's a talented guy who has quote unquote character concerns, but not really. I mean, yeah, yeah it's just TikTok stuff. And that's it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, hey, Juju, 
don't dance on the field. You're freaking idiot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just that's all it is. One conversation with Bill. Stop <laughs> dancing on the field. Okay. Do whatever you want in the locker room. Do whatever you want at home. Stop dancing on the field. You know, and that, and it's really that simple. And it's like that's so fixable. And at 24, to get him on a fairly cheap deal, you're getting him at a way below market price. His value is low right now. And so you can, you know, you have the opportunity to go out and get a guy like that that wouldn't normally be available. You know, and so I think that that's something where if I'm looking at it, I'm saying that's a guy that I want. He's a Patriots type guy where, you know, like I said, the value is higher than what you're going to pay for him. And so that's an interesting name for me. Now, Pittsburgh may turn around and say, no, we're keeping him and sign him. And I don't know. They, they certainly might do that. But if they don't, well, now you have an opportunity where you can go get a guy like that for, you know, cheaper than. I mean, think about it. Valen Robinson is getting $12 million a year. Is you going to get six? Like maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if he's, if it's a two year, $12 million contract, like, I mean, that's a no brainer for me for a guy who's 24 years old. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the type of stuff where, you know, obviously the right price, right? I'm not, I'm not putting them up there with those top, those top end receiver guys. But if you can get him for the price of like, for like a million dollars more a year than Marvin Jones, I mean, like, hello, like, really i mean this is that's what we're talking about here like a good value and i think juju's a guy that fits that mold um you know for them and again he's not a, he's not a surefire number one receiver but he's a heck of a lot better than what they have on the roster right now so for sure you know i i think jacoby myers is a very big bright spot he showed me a lot this year i i think he really showed me a lot i think Nikhil harry um you know i'm I was really big on Nikhil coming into the Patriots last season, his rookie year, huge. And then I was like, guys, come on, please give him a chance. You know, Brady didn't really trust him last year. Um, This is a new QB. Cam's, you know, he's all about the team, all about everyone. Give him a chance. He would show me stints, and then he would really show me most of what he's probably going to be. And, like, he would fumble at, like, the goal line. He just would drop the ball. Like, he just – he's – He's tough. I, I don't I don't know about Nikhil Harry. He's very tough to try and say he's a definite to keep around. Yeah. You know, I, I it's tough. He he's a definitely a tough one. But I, all, yeah. Oh, real real quick, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I agree with you. I think Myers uh I think the whole Patriots were slotted a, a, a spot or two above where they should have been, right? I think Myers is a is a decent two and a really good three. I think he's a really good third receiver. He's not a number one guy, but no, I think, I think he's, he's a, a bright really spot. Good, so. I think he's a really good, you know, third receiver and probably could play a number two receiver if he had to. But if he's your third receiver, you're doing well. And I think he's a good player. And so uh, with Nikhil, I think Nikhil is a, is a niche guy. I think at this point, you look at it and say every time, not every time, a lot of opportunities that he's got to be physical and go get footballs, he's been able to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Certainly last year, almost every time he got an opportunity to be physical and make a tough catch, he did it. But how many times was he asked to do that? How many times did he, was he given that opportunity? I think what you see from him is that his route running isn't great. His separation isn't great, but he's able to win at the point of contact because of his size. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be, I don't think he's ever going to be a number two. I don't think he's, he may not even be a number three, but he's a guy that can come in you know, in short yard situations and goal line situations and make plays every now and again. And you saw, you know, the stop and go a few times where he was able to kind of get, you know, get guys moving a little bit and then, and then make some plays with his, with his body, with his body positioning and, and, and his size. And I think that that's something that they're going to rely on him. But again, as a niche guy, not as a guy who's going to be dominant for them, not as a number one or a number two, that's just not going to happen. I don't think that that's, I think it's pretty definitive at this point. Because I was, I'm with you. I thought he needs more opportunities. Give him the ball, see what it. But yeah, I just think at this point that he's never, he's never going to be that guy. But that doesn't mean he can't be okay for them. Mm-hmm. He's just not going to be ever be that guy. And unfortunately, they took him over AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, who are both oh. top five receivers in the NFL, yeah. maybe top ten. But I mean, like uh, AJ Brown. I mean, what's what's sickening is that AJ Brown was a Patriots fan. I mean, like AJ Brown, a Patriots fan, getting drafted by the Patriots, playing here. Like, he's disgusting. He's a monster, and yeah. <laughs> they took they took Nikki over him. And it's just like you're like, oh, like it's just so it's such a letdown because you know what they could have had, 
And that's what makes it tough. And, and it's and it sucks for Nikhil because never everyone's always going to look at him and say he sucks and like we hate him. And it's not his fault, right? It's no, not his fault no, the Patriots took him over fault. AJ Brown, but they take it out on him because like who who, who else are they going to take it out of? You know what I mean? And that's it's uh it sucks for him, but it is what it is, you know. The AJ Brown one was tough, but I got to tell you the DK Metcalf one, when Bill didn't take a shot on him, oh my yeah. gosh, was I pissed. Because you're telling me the three cone drills really going to base, like, what you do with this guy? Like, just take him. He's huge. Just do – just see what this guy can do on the Patriots, honestly. And that that's that one really pissed me off, the DK Metcalf one. Well, and not just that, but, you know, pretty much measurable-wise, him and Nikhil were incredibly close, measurable-wise. And, and DK's three cone drill was a little bit worse than 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 Nikhil's, but his forty yard dash was like Nikhil ran like a four five. DK ran like a four three three. Yeah, not even in the same ballpark, you know. No. So yeah, three cone drill is one thing, but the speed is another thing, you know. If you're looking for just a big guy, and that's why you're after Nikhil, it's like, well, you got a big guy who's fast. Like, what the hell's the problem? You know what I mean? And that's. I think that that's something where that's that's what's frustrating, right? And it's, yes. you know, you can keep kind of going. I will say, the one thing I will say, if I hear one more person say, you know, oh, Bill sucks or Bill's over the hill or Bill's at, I just, I just can't. I just. I'll lose it's it. It's Bill Belichick, people. Like, it's Bill Belichick. Like, stop it. Just stop. I know his drafting maybe hasn't been perfect the last few years. And you can even say his drafting over the last four or five years has been lackluster. You can say that. You can make that argument, right? I think that Sony is a better pick than most people think. Again, should he have taken Nick Chubb? Maybe. Uh, you know, you can certainly make that argument. But I think that Sony was the better back coming out of coming out of college. I think he was. I think that's pretty definitive that he was the better back coming out of college. And so, you know, injuries have kind of have kind of hampered him. But I think overall, he's not a pretty I mean, he brought in Stephon Gilmore. Like that the other part of it is that it's not just the draft. GMing isn't just about the draft. It's about the other guys too, you know? Yep. So, you know, you build the team around that. You have undrafted free agents like JC Jackson come in. You have guys that where you're just looking at it saying like, what do you want from this guy? You know what I mean? Like it's just, and this year, and he even said, and I think he was honest about it and people didn't listen to him. We didn't have cap. We didn't have the cap space this year. So it is what it is this year. You know, and essentially not, not that they're punting on the year because they would never do that. And he's never going to just tank. But he basically said, like, we didn't have any money. So, like, we had to do what we could do. We signed Demir Bird because he was nothing. Like, we brought in these guys because they were nothing. We signed Cam because he was nothing. Like, that's the only reason we were able to get these guys, you know. And so I think the people overlooked that part of it. And they and they were like, well, Bill's making excuses. And it's like, well, no, he's telling, he's telling you the truth. Like, you've been asking him to tell you the truth for 20 years. Now he tells you the truth and you're pissed at him. And it's like, well, wait, what, what do you want from the guy? You know? And so, and that's, that becomes an issue for me. Anytime anyone is talking bad about Bill Wojcik, I'm like, you don't, you obviously don't know what you're talking about because the guy is, you know, the best coach in the history of the NFL and arguably one of the best GMs in the history of the NFL. And you can say, and this is where the Brady Belichick argument is interesting, right? Because first of all, before anyone makes any argument, we have to acknowledge that they would neither of them would be where they were without each other, right? Yes, yes, 100%. Brady would not be the GOAT without Belichick. He'd be a great player, a great player, a great quarterback, and a great player. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback and a great player. He's got one Super Bowl. Drew Brees is a great quarterback and a great player. He's got one Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was a great quarterback and a great player. He's got two Super Bowls. So it's like, so the idea is that, yes, that talent can take you as far as you want, but you also have to have a the coach that can coach everyone else on the team up and b a great gm who can build a team you know that that the coach envisions and wants and you know they have that clear vision because you look at the, at the two different dynasties and you're talking about teams that were completely different and the only the only you know thing that was the same was Belichick and Brady and it was like you just transition everyone out and bring other people in and they are still good, you know? Yep, and I think yep. that, and you know, I think that that's the big thing for me. It's like 52% Belichick and like 48% Brady because Bill's got the rest of the roster. 
you know and now it's like after one year people are like oh we told you that bill sucks and and it's all about brady and it's like well wait a second like wait a second here like okay (laughs) and not just that not just give the man time but like what if what if brady loses on sunday what if he loses on sunday then they get to the nfc championship game and that's great and good for them and they had a great year but like what did they really do they beat washington washington in the playoffs and they beat the Saints with Drew Brees, who was a shell of himself because he was so old, number one. And then the list of injuries that he had was ridiculous. That team that team couldn't score offensively. Speaking right? of, Deontay, who he really needed. <laughs> right? And that's it. And so Deontay like, the week before went off. Right. And so that's the other part of it where it's like, did Brady – and this is the, the interesting thing about Brady, and it was such a classic Brady game, that Saints game. The offense struggled. The offense was really struggling. Breeze throws a pick. They get the ball. Brady scores a touchdown. Fumble. They get the ball. Kick a field goal. Breeze throws another pick. They get the ball. Touchdown. They 17 out of the 30 points were off turnovers. That's the that's a classic playoff Brady game where the offense is kind of struggling, not doing great. The defense makes a play, and Brady instantly makes you pay for it. And I think that that's something that you know can't be overlooked. If Rodgers doesn't make those mistakes on Sunday, they lose. Easy, simple. If Rodgers throws those picks and you know, and and Green Bay plays stupid offensively, they lose. It's that simple. Like that, that's my opinion. That's my take on it. I think that Tampa is going to need Green Bay to make some of those mistakes. And if they don't, Tampa is going to have an awfully tough time beating them. And that's nothing against Brady. I'm not saying that Brady stinks because of it. I'm not saying Brady gets lucky. But when you give Brady an extra opportunity, he makes you pay for it every single time. And if as long as Green Bay doesn't do that, I think Camp is going to have a hard time beating. Yeah, I I agree with you, Brady. When you watch him, a lot of the games where they have won, the defense has come up big, and Brady just immediately capitalizes on it. So right. that, that definitely, if you know, that's really what's going to have to happen with Green Bay. Um, I predicted that both the Saints and Green Bay were going to choke and not make the Super Bowl. Um, I got one with the Saints. I'm trying to see if Green Bay will make it to the Super Bowl. Um, (laughs) Yeah, trying to see if Mr. Brady will stop him. But, Pat, I'm going to ask you probably one more question here. We're coming towards the end of the show. Do it. I want you to give me your three goals for the Patriots this offseason. Ooh, I like that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry it's off the top of your head, but I would really want to hear what you believe they should do. Off the dome is good. Off the dome is good. I like that. So you got to fix the quarterback situation, number one. That's the biggest thing. That's that's number one on the list. Absolutely, bar none, number one, fix the quarterback situation. Whether that means bring in a veteran, whether that means draft a guy, whatever that means, you're going to have to fix the quarterback situation. And you can't rely on the draft because free agency happens before the draft, right? So you can't rely on the draft. Maybe someone will drop to you at 15 or maybe not, but you're going to have to at least attempt – to take care of it in free agency or via trade, depending on who would you do real quick going off of that? Who would you take in free? Jimmy agency? G. Jimmy, Jimmy G. G? Okay. Jimmy over, Sta- over Stafford. Well, Stafford's a trade. So depends on how much you got to give up. I yep. don't know how much Stafford's making his contract can be a little bit bigger, obviously. So I think Jimmy G on a one year, two year deal, maybe even a three year deal, but fairly cheap money. Um, I think it'd work. He's not playing in San Francisco next year. He's got $27 million, $25 million cap hit, and it's like a $2 million dead cap if they cut him. There's a 0% chance they're keeping him. They're going to cut him. So now the Patriots, you know, I think the Patriots end up end up with Jimmy G again. Maybe not, but I think they do. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be an underrated, under-the-radar guy. A few guys on Twitter have mentioned Mitch Trubisky. I hope not, but we'll see. Ryan Fitzpatrick, like guys like that, somebody that can come in and play bridge quarterback. If you're doing something like that, though, now you have to draft a quarterback in the draft. And that's that's a challenge because if you say we have to go all in on a guy, either you, get, you better trade up and get him or you get to the second, third round. And it's like, even if he's not number one on your list, even if he's not the highest guy on your list, you got to take one. You have to because you don't have a choice because you're hamstrung because you, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback, right? So that's that's a little dangerous. It's You're kind of playing with fire if you're not going to take care of it in, in free agency. So I think free agency is a big thing for me. But again, Jimmy G is my guy. Um, but there are guys that are out there. Maybe they swing for the fences and go for Dak. I, I don't think that's not going to happen. But you never know. <laughs> so, uh, But quarterback's number one on my list. Number two, 
is you got to bring in more weapons. You have to bring in more weapons. Um, that's that's really honestly number two on the list. And again, whether that's one receiver, whether that's two receivers, whether that's a number one receiver or a number two or you know a number two and a number three receiver, whatever the case may be, you don't need a number one guy, right? You never needed one with Brady. Your system doesn't need a number one guy. You don't need a Allen Robinson. You don't. Now it's nice to have a guy like that, but if you know, you don't have to overpay for someone like that. You need some talent, but you need guys that can run routes, get open, and catch the ball. That's what mm-hmm. you need. You know, and so realistically, I think that they're going to get a few guys like that, but it's not going to be Kenny Galladay. It's not going to be Allen Robinson. Like those guys aren't coming here. They're not. And I and that's why that's why Juju is so interesting to me because he's an under the radar guy. All the stupid off field crap is going to probably knock him down a peg or two. They see, yeah, the stats are fine, but he gets bumped out by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and those guys, and now he's their third, fourth option in Pittsburgh, and people are like, well, what's going on with him? You know, maybe he's yeah. not that good. And so the Patriots give him a one- or two-year deal, write, rewrite the you know, write the ship for him, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, here we go. He's a good, he's a good receiver again. So I think that, that makes sense. Um, but again, it's going to be a guy that's a little bit more under the radar, not super, not super high-priced. The tight end spot's interesting. They drafted two tight ends. They traded up to draft two tight ends last year. Very, so very interesting. Are they going to sit around and wait for Asiasi and Keen to pay off? Or are they going to go out and get someone? And I think that at this point, you have to at least try to bring someone in to compete in the spot. Maybe you're not paying top of the do- you know, top of the market money to someone. Maybe you're not trading for someone, but you have to at least bring someone else in to compete in camp because what you got from them this year was not enough. It just wasn't enough. And so uh, you have to be able to get more from those guys. Asiasi looked good in week 17. He was open most of the seasons, and Cam just didn't throw to him. So maybe they like what he has. Maybe they they think he has potential, but he also dropped some passes too. I mean, again, it's like, you know, he dropped some passes, but like everyone drops some passes. It's just that like he had five targets. <laughs> so it's like, you know, what do you want the guy to do? He had a few, he had a few drops, but it's like, you know, when you only have five targets all year, those drops look really bad, you know? And so that's, that's the hard part, you know? So we'll see. And and then I think third on my list, and I'm going to give you four because I'm, I'm, I'm going to yeah, go ahead. Fourth. Third go ahead. on my list it. is, is you're going to have to get faster on defense. You have to get faster, more athletic on defense. You got to bring in a line, at least one linebacker, if not two, you probably have to bring in someone else on the D on the D line and your safeties are getting old and McCoy's, you know, yeah chances are at least one of your cornerbacks is going to be gone. So you're going to have to bring in another corner too. So they got a lot of work to do defensively. I think they have a lot of skill defensively right now. A lot of young guys that look good. Um, But, you know, they got to do some more to get younger and more athletic on defense. And then number four is you have to sign the important free agents. And the most important free agents to me, David Andrews, Adam Butler, um, you know, JC Jackson. Those are my, that's my top three right there. You have to, those three guys have to be on this team next year. Tooney's on the list too, but it depends, right? If on Wayne slots in as a guard and you like what you have at tackle with Haran at right tackle, well, then you let Tooney walk and you weren't planning on letting Tooney walk, right? They franchised him because they were planning on signing him. But now on Wayne, looks like a stud. So you say, well, okay, the kid's a six round pick. He's a stud. We're paying him nothing. We're not going to pay Tooney $15 million a year. To what? Put on Wainu like behind him? That doesn't make any sense, you know. So, so I think you know. Unfortunately, it kind of blows up in the paying him fifteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollars kind of blows up in their face a little bit. But it is what it is. Like you didn't have a choice. He's a dominant player. He's going to get a massive contract this offseason, and you're not going to be the ones to give it to him. Uh, unfortunately, but that's the way it goes. So I think that those three guys, to me, Andrews, we've seen what this offensive line looks without David Andrews. It's not good. It's yeah. bad. No, it's so scary. David Andrews. Uh, that's the one, that's the number one guy for me. And again, Adam Butler and JC Jackson, those three guys have to be on this team next year. Uh, if you want to continue to compete, I think in my opinion. And so, um, you know, though, that's my, that's my top four right there. I think, I think they're capable of doing all four of those things. And if they do, they're a playoff team next year. I mean, like that's what they are. They're a playoff team. If they do those, if they do those four things. I believe that the Pats will be back in the playoffs next year. I can't see Belichick being this far in his career and, you know, going two straight seasons without a playoff appearance. So right. I, I believe that they will be back in the offseason next year. But, Pat, mm-hmm. 
We are towards the end of my show. You, I asked you for three. You gave me four. You're going the extra mile. You went the extra mile to uh, wait for my delay earlier. So I appreciate that. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. All your insight, everything that you said on the show. It was beautiful. I love it. Um, could you just do me a favor so everyone yeah. knows where to find you? Plug everything yeah. of yours. Plug everything. I, I want everyone to know who you are. Love it. Love it. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, and yes, I waited for you, but you waited for me first. So, so it's, uh, we make it, it's, a, it's an even trade. Um, so I am on Twitter at plane underscore Pats. Um, I'm always tweeting out about all things football and or uh, Marvel and everything else. So, uh, And then I host a podcast with Spags, as you, as you mentioned. I'm actually starting up a second podcast on the Pats Fulbit Network uh, with Taylor Kyles. And called the Armchair Superheroes, and that is a superhero podcast. Uh, so we're going to be talking about WandaVision. We're going to be kind of talking about some different things. Really just an off-season pod, but we have some fun with it. So that's, that's um, awesome. Congrats. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's cool. It, it's fun. We did it. We did it at the beginning of quarantine, kind of like an MCU rewatch. And then, you know, the draft came up and all. all and so it kind of got derailed a little bit. Um, but we're back talking about WandaVision. And, and Disney Plus has things coming out basically every week. Basically, a new episode coming out every week, or a new movie coming out every week for like from now until like eternity, which is pretty cool. So, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, a lot of stuff for us to talk about. So, we're firing that baby back up next week, which will be fun. So, but uh, but yeah, find me there, and obviously on Pat's pulpit, um, you know, and uh, and she and man, I I really appreciate you having me on. It's been fun, and uh, the show's a cool show, man. It's a it's a cool show. So I always love I always like the shows that you just kind of shoot the shit. You know what I mean? You're not exactly. Like, you know, because because then they free flow and you can kind of go wherever you want. And uh, and I think that 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 makes for good podcasting, you know, I appreciate that, Pat. Thank you very much. And I appreciate you coming on because it means so much to me and all the listeners out here. I hope that you take what Pat has plugged into this show and go follow him because he is one of the most genuine people I have met along my way of trying to grind my own uh, dreams into my reality. So Pat, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you so much. And to all my listeners up there, out there, I hope you step into my world yet again. Peace out, everyone. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, man. See you guys.